my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I've now made how many mistakes? Ethers are. If you can't hear me, that's your fault. Um, <laughs> I think I, I was just testing on the UATV and then I went into the intro and it's like, we're talking about magic tonight. And I'm clearly still in need of practice on my tech practice. So here we go into the stream. We can pretend that we have no sound. No, we, we actually have sound this time. <laughs> I, you know, I'm I'm still looking forward to how many. So tonight, I I was watching Vox doing his meme review, and he said the magic word slideshow, which means I, I I've set up a slideshow for our images tonight, which means I am not in control of which image shows when because they're just in the order I predicted. We'll see whether I have predicted the order of conversation that we're actually going to have tonight. <laughs> this is going to be an <laughs> This is her time. fault. <laughs> she said, "We have to talk about magic tonight." And I said, "Well, yeah, okay. I'm doing this course on um angels and demons for my university teaching. Uh, it's a graduate class and you can look up the syllabus on my academic homepage, home.uchicago.edu backslash tilde r fulton. The tech people there want to get me started on a proper like dynamic website. And I, I think I think maybe we'll we'll just stick with my old one. <laughs> However, if you go to my academic homepage, I have syllabi for all of my classes, lots of reading lists, lots more information and footnotary and and magical wizardry of I make book lists for a living. Um, and there is one up there on angels and demons. And so, you know, magic is, is kind of topical, but I don't think that's necessarily what Kiltz was thinking of. But what, what would you like to talk about tonight? Well, I wanted to talk about magic with you. First off, it's October. So for, for you guys, you're getting your Halloween decorations up. But so are we now. Because Australia's begun to enjoy Halloween, um, which we never used to do. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine about um, all of the magic that's going into children's literature. And she was saying mm. that she didn't want any stories 
for her kids that had anything to do with magic. So I thought this would be a good topic to pick your brain about because it's very controversial. Ooh, um, I could say this is this is this is good. I like you'll tell me a topic that you'd like to talk about. And it's never quite what I thought. <laughs> so my slides go all over the place and that's okay. We 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 end up with good clips. Um so when she said magic, she didn't mean like enchantment of story. She meant actual like the 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 characters do magic spells. I mean Harry yes. Harry Potter level stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Waving the wand, saying the magic uh magic words and then Bibbidi bobbidi boo. Yeah. Something happens. So I was trying to explain that Aurora Borealis is not this kind of magic. But right. uh, okay. not doing a very good job. So I, I thought, yes, I I would uh get get you to talk about what magic is mm. and um whether or not it's always bad and how Christians have described magic over over the centuries okay so hopefully you sounds good sounds well, good slideshow yet <laughs> no i no i we're, we're we're not looking at these slides all they can see is us right now okay um all right so tell tell me more about what kind which what story she was specifically talking about i think we need we need some uh hmm. um you know sort of boundaries on what, what do what do people even now consider magic what what was she saying i mean the the wands and spells and stuff like that but what does that hmm. is that your beast in the background it is your beast is my beast my beast my dragon where'd he go i think he's under my chair I, he could come back i'm not sure <laughs> um what um what does she mean by that we need to what and you were telling her about aurora borealis and mm. what we we're trying to do in christian storytelling and this did not yes. either she was she was worried that it was magical or she was simply saying oh well most children's literature is magical which actually kind of is i mean there's a there's a lot of fairy story background of the the english tradition of of children's literature I think her main concern was that uh, a lot of the children's books that she's been looking uh, at for her kids mm. have been themed somehow with witchcraft. Uh, and she's really concerned that it's going to encourage her kids to get into the occult later if, if they're consuming this kind of literature as children. Then explaining what we've done in Aurora Borealis and how the the story is magical in the sense of impossible things happening. Uh, but it was kind of difficult to um, define why this isn't encouraging, why our story wasn't uh, going to encourage children into wizardry mm. uh, or sorcery, why we're actually encouraging children to uh, kind of Christian mysticism instead. So, I think the concern is that now we're living in a in a culture that's becoming less and less Christian, that there seems to be a more obvious occult practices going on in mainstream culture. Right. And uh, getting a sense of why that is, is it actually increasing or are we just noticing it? Um, and, and also yeah how christians have viewed magic over the centuries right what, 
what we what we think of as magic and what actually is magic maybe not necessarily the same things what would you what what would you say magic is do we have a definition of it even mm. among among ourselves before we start exploring some of the the other options i've personally described it as the attempt to enforce your will on other people mm. somehow through through ritual or uh, hypnotism or some other kind of practice. That's always been a way I've just defined it. But uh, I don't know if that's right. Um. Well, I mean, I have some pat answers, and yes, that is right. <laughs> uh, the, okay. No, because I mean, but but in in what you just said, I mean that that doesn't. I think a lot of people would say, well, how is that? How is that even magical? Isn't that you know, rhetoric or persuasion or propaganda or bullying or you know, so it, how is it? You know, how is it magical if it's in fact simply interpersonal interaction and why yeah because i mean one you're mm. you're accurate in the in the the um traditional definitions of what you know what magic longs for which is control <laughs> um and mm. it works it works definitely because you know for example in the lord of the rings the thing that sauron's ring does is control other wills it's 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 its power is controlling of of, of wills so that works as a definition but then w wouldn't you know how is that you know not just is propaganda magic is uh advertising magic mm. well i think it is because i can't stop reading it <laughs> memory and storytelling i mean this is why it's like when you mm. said it's like she was worried about magic and children's stories it's like well isn't all storytelling a kind of magic or you're you're setting people up mm. to be in this it's you know sometimes sometimes people even worry about the degree of like fiction as as such is this making making unreal and i mean the the counter version of it would be you know saying that the, the sort of horrible social justice uh relevant stories like we're not we're not going to give children any fantasy and, and tolkien worried about this too it's like when they're saying we don't want fairy stories because that's escapist um we want we mm. want real life problems where the characters in the story are dealing with real difficulties and real, um, you know, racism and poverty and war and, and things like that. And then say, well, okay, so magic is, is escapist and, and alluring because it wants, you know, wants the, to give people a, a sense of not being in that dreary everyday actual world of our own, mundane existence wow that's depressing <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible um all right so <laughs> you said advertising okay like the, i'll i'll do it i'll do a McLuhan thing so basically the alphabet is a magical thing oh yeah so when you said advertising i thought yeah okay great i can't ignore it so once you're here is a, a kind of magic that I would define as magic, even though most people wouldn't think of it as magic. Learning to read an alphabet, because once you can read, you can never learn to un. You can never unlearn reading. Mm. You're just a, 
you're a reader forever and suddenly and you're trapped you're trapped <laughs> but everything that's written then is readable which means there is no filter anymore on what you can take in so if you're driving down a freeway you're driving past sign signage all the time but you're also driving past advertisements all the time and if you're kind of a obsessively inclined person <laughs> you'll read things as you're driving without even realizing it yeah. sometimes but or or actively reading it so you have absolutely no control anymore and no filter on what comes in and out of your um your reasoning so this is something that i would class as magical but most 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 people are not necessarily um well okay so the 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 alphabet alphabet as a kind of magic absolutely because there yeah. is a there is a, a compulsion to it in um you know you write something down and it becomes real it becomes true and that and, and a lot of mat you know what we the subcategory of magic magical practice that people think of is if you write the spells out or you you bind a, a spirit typically with the writing that you you know inscribe on the chalk on the floor or whatever you do it um that there is there is a, a strong correlation in the in the magical tradition between writing and this expectation that it is is binding in some way um but i mean what you're describing it's like would would not would not images then as such be also magical i mean we end up in a in an iconoclastic tradition of saying you should have no images because they either tend to be idolatrous, the compulsion, the, the service of false deities, or, I mean, the, the, I, di I dislike, imagine driving down the freeway and seeing, seeing the billboards, and you, I mean, I may or may not have time to read whatever they've written there, but I can't not see the pictures, which have, an, mm -hmm. have another level of, of power potentially. Yes, I wouldn't see I, I'm not I wouldn't want that iconoclasm. It's uh hmm. I suppose with with the alphabet is specifically crafted symbolism that was previously abstract that's given a a phoneme value. So there is some kind of engineering going on there whereas with a photograph, it's just a picture of somebody or something. It's very obvious. You don't have to learn how to couple an abstract concept with a phoneme. Oh, but the, then, then, um, okay. This is nowhere where I thought we were going to go, which is the happy place that I like. I, I like to end <laughs> up. No, no. That we're, so we're 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 down to the sort of the the base base level of, I mean, what McLoon would say is just media. Um, mm. I, I, I start, I've started reading E. Michael Jones's Dangers of Beauty. Um, and he has, he starts with painting and in the, the thinking that I'm doing for a talk that I'm supposed to be giving later this, this autumn, um, I've decided that I'm going to think about, I'm going to talk about the, this claim that, um, St. Gregory is famous for saying that pictures are the books of the illiterate. And mm -hmm. and I was thinking I was thinking about that as well this morning after watching Vox do the meme review and he and he he posted a meme onto the um, I think into his into his blog there as well that um, 
blah 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 it's a lot of npc characters with a a, a caption about you know the memes or the rhetoric of the npcs or something it, it, he was talking about how npcs have no thoughts in their heads in words and they think only in images okay. And then somebody was responding onto it saying, that's a stupid meme. It doesn't work. And he's like, I said that <laughs> you literally didn't read it. Right. So you, you kind of made my, you know, it's like how many layers of my point do you make? But the, the, the relationship between the memes that are only pictures and therefore must work on people's emotions and therefore have this kind of rhetoric because they're only pictures, which the dialectic of the word caption is not going to have any effect on. Well, then we're into this problem of what what did Gregory Gregory the Great mean when he said people can learn the Bible stories from pictures that they can't read in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And there's a long discussion of whether what Gregory actually meant by that, whether the, you know what does it mean to say pictures or books of the illiterate. But what I what I ended up thinking about was the way in which. And you know, and then I was thinking about how I'm always putting together pictures for my teaching and how I want slides for our conversations here. And it's like, I pictures are an incredibly powerful something that change the perception that people are participating in instantaneously. If I show you a picture, mm-hmm. we're suddenly talking about something that we that is present to us in a way that words in time can't have the same effect. I mean, words in time are like music in time. Something that can be immediately present to you is different from something you have to take time to listen to, time to mm. to watch. So there's static, static pictures and moving pictures. So that's 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 a one thing. And and then and then you know sort of where storytelling comes into all of this as itself magical. It's sort of like drawing you into a participation of something that's happening only in your imagination that then seems real to you, even though it has no exterior um, manifestation. These are all, these are, I mean, there's it's like, talk about, you know, art has, and the Tolkien got there too. It's like, when, when you're talking about art, how are you not talking about magic because of the way it interacts with your own aspirations and desires and workings on the world? And then people go to, oh, but there's no magic. And I mean, is there magic in Tolkien? There's no magic in Tolkien because, in fact, nothing happens that people, you know, there's, you know, I guess Gandalf makes lights on his staff occasionally, but it's like a flashlight, right? So <laughs> it's like, oh, Gandalf mm-hmm. has a big giant flashlight. Great. That's it. The dolphin torch. The of dolphin Gandalf. torch of Gandalf, right? <laughs> so when we, even when we're talking about magic, this level of, what what do we want it to be versus what kinds of effects are we surrounded by in our art in our in our media world i don't think that's where your friend was so, going either but no no she no she wasn't that i think it's it's mostly the her her perspective is mostly on like uh, communication with spiritual entities. Ah, this cultural so... trend towards this kind of uh, magical practice instead of it being an imaginative exercise, where it takes a human mind out of the space time continuum okay. and pulls you into uh, internal fantasy as an escapist uh, exercise. She was really concerned that this was in uh, this. Uh, 
kind of literature was encouraging kids to go then further on into spiritism. And so I suppose this brings us then into human beings communicating with mm-hmm. angels <laughs> and what that <laughs> well, then I have my pictures, and then it. I can show you my pictures. Yeah, you yeah. got the pictures. I got now. the I got the pictures uh, for that. Um, and whether well, whether or not that's uh, permissible, uh, permiss- permissible, or are we breaking laws by doing this? Why are people doing this in the first place? Who was doing it in the scriptures? Mm-hmm. You know, all of these kinds of things. Um. So, yeah, I think that was the the perspective then. When most people hear magic, they're not thinking about the imaginative escapism. They're thinking about conjuring. Okay. Perhaps. Yes. Well, but I mean, but but the thing is our meta level that we've been playing with right now is this like storytelling, art, images. I mean, I think the Mm. the kind of magical working that that you and I are exploring in, in our mosaic arc is... The problem of the degree to which the media itself is always has this magical power already. Uh, and mm. I mean, we, we've talked about that as the alphabet has this coercive power and you were describing it as I, I see these, I see these messages and I can't not see them. They work on me yes. in a, in a, in, in an instantaneous way. And I'm saying, well, the images do too. So it's the, mm. you know, the, this, this crafted world that we're living in, in, in our cities, we don't we don't tend to think you just look at a mountain, for example, and say, Oh, that's magically working on me. You just enjoy the mountain. Right? <laughs> Whereas mm-hmm. if you see artifacts, uh, humanly made artifacts like skyscrapers or roads or billboards, um, listen to stories, listen to music, all of that feels like it's working on us in a way a flower mm-hmm. doesn't. Flower is itself or Maybe the, is it my dog, where'd he go? I think he's, I think he, I can't find him. He disappeared, right? Do animals have that magical effect? It's like, the, I think the category of magic that Tolkien was right to say, it's our technology. There's something about our technology mm-hmm. and it scares us and intrigues us. And um, we want it to work more f- effectively than it does. So we feel frustrated when we can't make our tech do our will. Yeah. Thinking of a few examples that we've ha- we've had since we started streaming. Tonight. Tonight. Um, <laughs> well, we have Kelbear Kel Pure Bullets in creation versus sub-creation. Um, and yes, and the Tolkien sub-creation is, you know, art, art recognizing itself in, in harmony with the creator and mm. then you know so we're getting to the subcategory of the the problem of making that we do that becomes coercive and your friend's question then is also are we alone <laughs> in this making with yeah. just our human capacities or are there other powers that people can you know have conversation with and 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 work with and and then and mm. and that is of course what we're doing in my angels and demons course in the sense of trying to understand what what sort of worldview that presupposes and um it, just in theological terms how that changes our understanding of of god how that changes our understanding of of free will and um 
we're not there yet though we're, we're still at the, the, the level of just figuring out what what whether why angels are in the tradition in the first place so could you could you give give a definition uh of what an angel actually is ah because, <laughs> because in different parts in different parts of the world you know they're depicted very, very differently the the kind of cute cherub we've got that and then we've got the um uh don't be afraid multi-eyed uh cherubim that you'll see in the meme right um or you know these kind of terrifying battle ready entities that are uh not sweet looking little babies playing harp so what like how would you even define an angel in the first place it's complicated okay so okay <laughs> so the text the text we were talking about today in class is um margaret barker's the great angel which if if, if you're mm -hmm. not yet if those of you who are watching if you're not yet familiar with margaret barker's work it's it's a it's a trip um and uh she's actually done some videos with my friend dustin quick who we want to have on as a guest once we're like capable of having guests here once we, <laughs> we figured out our own our own platform that we're building um she has developed a, a a full sort of theology that is the ancient temple tradition of jerusalem in its um davidic and solomonic form which she argues is in fact the ancient tradition that the early Christians were saying that was being renewed in Christ. Um, so that mm -hmm. the Christian, the early Christians were in fact telling the absolute truth when they said Jesus had come to fulfill the scriptures and was fulfilling the, 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 you know, renewing the temple and, and things like that. She's saying they were, they were the diaspora of, the exile from Jerusalem. They were spread all over the Hellenistic world. Um, they include people like Philo, Philo of Alexandria, this great, um, we will say, you know, writing in he uh, writing in Greek of the temple elite in Alexandria, of a tradition that you know gets called Jewish, but in fact is is complicated because it's the Christians, as you like to say, Celts are the the true Israelites. And and yes. Barker is is very very adamant about saying you know the the reason that we have this debate between Christians and Jews is from the the this post Jesus period when the Christians mm -hmm. are claiming he is the Messiah the Lord um, the 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 one who was present in the temple now incarnate and present to us. The book is called The Great Angel, <laughs> at least this one that she was talking about, um, because mm -hmm. in order to understand who Jesus is as the Lord, you need to have a, a, a larger appreciation of this angelic tradition out of the ancient temple, which include it gets to things like the, the, the Nephilim, definitely, but the Enochian angels, which will get us to magic because mm -hmm. <laughs> they're the ones who gave it to everyone. Um, and to see the angels as... It's like they're aspects of the divine. They are they're messengers and so and and so they have the characteristics of you know coming and going from heaven to earth. Um Jesus in for example the letter to the Hebrews when he's called the great high priest definitely mediates, right? And 
the, the, the internet debates that we've been in a, n- a number of times where people are saying there's only one mediator has nothing to do with prayers of intercession that we, for example, say that Our Lady is able to convey. Um, The one mediator is, in fact, this angelic characteristic that the angels go go from heaven to earth. And you think about Christ as our mediator, the the claim there is he's the one one that has done that from the Father Mm. to to us. So it's an angelic sort of power presence. Um, the problem is that all the other angels, like Gabriel and Michael and Raphael, the L is a tell in the in their name that they are also aspects of God or the divine. Okay. Okay. So now now we're like woo woo. Never mind what your friend is worried about whether <laughs> whether we're in magic territory, right? We're in this yeah. theological territory where the Father. The, I mean, when Jesus talks about the Father, right? So there's God, the Father. And then the son is somehow both as as this angelic character, an aspect of the divine comes from the father and is able to do that, that mediation and traveling um, and himself also divine. And then you realize what, what Barker is trying to do is show that the, the arguments that you end up in um, Trinitarian theology about, and, and this is, mm-hmm. she hasn't said it in quite these terms, but I, I would say what you recognize is the reason the Greeks end up arguing all of this in their philosophy is because it makes no sense right (laughs) is that they're desperately trying to figure out how to fit this you know unity and multiplicity of the divine into like stable philosophical categories that clearly indicate that l god father is in relationship with yahweh Lord, Son of the Most High, in a capacity mm-hmm. that says that they're both of heaven, but not identical, right? And it, it, and if that's all confusing, you'll realize why the, those Christological controversies are so heated over the first several centuries, while at the same time, the rabbis are saying um, that, no, Jesus is not the Messiah. He's not the Lord. He's not the incarnate anything um and yet to do so they're having to deny aspects of the older tradition as they're doing it which is how we end up with the differences in um the reading of the scriptures that we do Mm. got all that (laughs) yeah (laughs) It, it, it took us three hours to work through some of that this afternoon in class right but it's it's this so the angels are and and you could say it's the I'll give another model, right? In in the in the medieval tradition, um, there are daughters of God, right? Uh, my colleague Barbara Newman has written a book called God and the Goddesses, and she recognized that in medieval, um, particular vernacular poetry, which is interesting, mm-hmm. um, there there are other characters like the love, Lady Poverty that Saint Francis marries himself to, um, the daughters of God who are mercy, mercy and and um, justice. Um, who kiss right in the in the the, the psalm? I forgot what the other two are. <laughs> Lol. Um, that all of the there there aspects of the divine that you know you can put in in stories and character stories, but that are not themselves divine. They're goddesses, but they're not separable you know entities that you would worship, and mm-hmm. that 
what Barker is, is realizing is trying to say that the angels of this this angel tradition, this older uh, Near Eastern temple tradition, are both God and, and multiplicity. They're, they're both the unity and the multiplicity. And so the heavenly, the best way of saying it is like the heavenly court is where all the angels are. The angels are where God is. God is the angels. It's, it's, it's this, it gets very mystical and woo-woo incredibly fast. And then realizing that Christianity is trying to say yes. And Jesus was, and in the Septuagint tradition, the angel of great counsel whom Isaiah prophesied in 9-6. In the usual translations of Isaiah 9-6, it's four throne names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. In the mm -hmm. Septuagint, it's one title, which is Angel of Great Counsel, which is a title that is recognized as Christ Emmanuel, Christ God with us. So angels are that. Okay. We went in a few different directions. Uh, so, I mean, you mentioned the Greeks wrestling with the <laughs> unity and multiplicity and that not making sense. But to me, that makes sense because why would something that is divine be entirely understandable by human intellect. I always find that there's this desire to have everything perfectly understandable. Right. Which is odd because should not, you know, shouldn't God be a mystery to the human intellect ultimately if we are a created being? Yes. Then the creator himself would not be perfectly understandable to the creatures. So that that doesn't bother me at all. It's this um, ambiguity then between Christ, pre-incarnate Christ as angel, and then the other angels that we would refer to, mm. like the hierarchy that decided to rebel in heaven and get booted out if they're aspects of the divine <laughs> does does, this, does part of god good? fall I'm playing, I mean, yeah I'm play, that's it i'm playing devil's advocate here but it is it's uh is this god turning on himself i hadn't thought of that mm, that's, that's kind of tricky well i it's so i i realize most of my angelology and therefore my magical theorizing is tolkien eventually and mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in the in the in the in the music of creation, the the Aenor are the the children of Iluvatar's thought, and Melkor is one of them. Okay. And and so and Tolkien, I the thing is Tolkien. Th this 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 is a sort of fun sort of thread level of of um, engagement that in the letter the letter that Tolkien describes the Lord of the Rings as fundamentally religious. And Catholic work unconsciously so at first but consciously in in the end he wrote to mm -hmm. um uh, uh father murray robert murray sj and um at that point murray was actually fairly young i hadn't realized this i, I remember that he was the 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 grandson of the founder of the oxford english dictionary but i i hadn't realized i hadn't looked him up properly well as i'm mm -hmm. reading Barker's great angel, she thanks in her preface, Father Robert Murray. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, it's the same person. <laughs> it is. 
And that that Father Murray um, went on after he was a, a student. Uh, Tolkien knew him when he was about thirty or so. Uh, in mm. that letter, the, the letter, the famous letter, um, Murray goes on to become a great scholar of Syriac Christianity. I think Tolkien, in his playing with things in the Anilindale and all of these different stories, must be possibly, probably playing with a lot of these angel traditions that are in his lifetime becoming better known because some of the ancient texts are being newly published. So, mm. I mean, things like the Enoch, the the books of Enoch, which Barker's worked a lot with. And and then you start realizing that there's this, this amazing world of spirits, right? The, 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 the Lord of hosts is actually the Lord of the armies of heaven, the Lord. So if, if the Lord, the Yahweh is the Lord of hosts, he's the Lord of all of these angel armies. And then you're mm -hmm. saying, indeed, indeed, how are they separable from God? I, thinking of them as holy ones in heaven seems to be a, a sort of useful category to let them live in. Um, but but they're, it's like they're sent from God. They're not actually separate from God. Tolkien had this wonderful image. He, he, I just remembered this one. He said one time, he told Christopher one time he was praying and this moat um, of light struck him. And he had the sensation of the moat being the attention of God and his guardian angel at the same time, right? So it was mm. like his own guardian angel was God's attention on him in that moment. I, the I don't say, and so indeed this 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 makes a sort of greater tragedy of the fall <laughs> to say that these are aspects of God that have broken away. Hmm. I mean that's. I can't get into that without someone screaming heretic and I'm not going to say heterodox uh, kind of opinion on this, but that's what it makes me think of because um, if these, uh, if these armies of uh, creatures, spiritual creatures are then rebelling against God himself, what exactly is happening there in the mechanism of the, of angelness right you know right uh for for my rudimentary understanding the human race have been gifted with free will but this is not necessarily the case with the other um created beings so what does it then mean when angels turn on the creator it, this is it's kind of a very powerful image to think about we are um we're given choice, we're given uh, agency, free will, but are these armies given the same, uh, have they been gifted with the same thing? No. So what does it mean for them to rebel against the creator? And the well, we're going to read Aquinas on that in a few weeks. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> to be continued, I'll come, come back then, to that. Then you'll have then you'll have the author bros off to me. <laughs> well, you possibly. Really I mean, but so uh, you know, the, Barker works a lot with the the Orthodox tradition, and she work and she works a mm. lot in the the like the Syrian um, materials, and she reads. It, I mean, I, she she's you know quoting Coptic a lot. She's quite. I she's mm. way bigger than Ortho um, versus Catholic. I mean, and she herself is Methodist. So, and the Mormons love her. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interest. <laughs> she's got the angels. Um, but, yeah. but the thing, what, what delights me about her work is that she's shown that whatever Christianity is coming out of, it's far more 
uh, dynamic already than mm. the, the, the bat projection version of monotheism makes it sound. Monotheism technically is a term that comes from the 17th century, so arguments then. And the, defen okay. the defenses that Christianity has to make about, you know, the, the son of God, one, they come from, they first come through rabbis who are, one, accusing Jesus of being a magician, interestingly enough, if we're going to, mm -hmm. we're going to go there. Um, and two, um, rejecting him as the incar, you know, the incarnation of a figure that they actually also themselves already have. No, um, Peter Schaefer mm. has done a, a, a nice book on, he, he's the same one who did Jesus in the Talmud. He also did a book on the two gods in heaven and showing that a lot of those texts that Barker is citing for these angelic presences. Yes, they are part, they're part of the, the contemporary tradition that Jesus is born into. Um, mm. uh, sorry. What, so th this is when Christ says before Abraham was, I am. This yeah. is, this is who he's referring to himself as. Well, and, and John Calvin, even if the Protestants are listening, the Calvin recognizes the angel manifestations in the old Testament as Christ. So things mm. like when the angel of the Lord closes the door of the ark, if you wondered how it got shot right before, waters come in the angel of the lord closes yeah. it and and calvin and his institutes those those moments of the angel of the lord doing x y and z in the old testament he says are christ mm. so this this you know that christ is this somehow and and he's he's identified as the lord which means he's adonai or kyrios which means he is yahweh he, I mean, he is God, mm. but what God is, is co more complicated than the monotheism um, theology of, of modernity has, has worried about. But, but the, oh, the, the Christians have to defend themselves against uh, the Muslims who say God, Allah would not have a son. But, but yes. the thing is, in the ancient tradition, whatever's going on with all those angels, one of them seems to have this characteristic so that when Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're, you're, you will have your, he will be called the son of the most high. That is this, 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 you know, relationship between Barker argues between Yahweh and L, but you know, between the aspect that is the one that becomes present and visible to people and the one that doesn't. So this is the this is the plural of of using the term Elohim, which is plural. It right. wouldn't be translated as could be translated as gods, but not in the sense not in that the the sense that the uh, Muslims will hear when you know they they'll hear that as mu a multiplicity of entities that are individually uh, gods, like a pantheon or something like that. Um, well, okay. and so it's interesting. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that you find this, this, you know, easy to, easy to think. It's like, yes, what kind of, what, what revelation have we been given? And, and maybe, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's the usual, maybe we see them as, as separate entities and where did I, somebody, maybe somebody in the chat. Well, the Ar Orientals are very comfortable discussing spiritual entities maybe that's right. why but but uh, but it's the it's the it's, someone gave me it's like it's the fingers of god right and you see them as five fingers but it's still one hand 
this problem mm -hmm. of of the you know the interpenetration from heaven to earth and what is it that we we are having access to it happens through the veil of the temple you know mm -hmm. jesus passes through, as our great high priest passes through the veil into the world and then passes back carrying the offering so he's acting as the high priest does on the day of the atonement um but what we what what kind of understanding do we have of what's happening in heaven i mean how how could we how could we see it mm. Now, interesting so, to bring this back around, that was kind of what we were trying to show in Aurora Borealis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we were indeed trying to invite people into this mystery of what happens in the Revelation. And we played off of with the Aurora Borealis and the Aurora Australis and, and you know, the, the Christ as the griffin figure, whatever that means, that the animals are able to perceive. And so this problem of indeed when the animals go up in the mountain, and you know answer those riddles and end up in the presence of the griffin what is it they see we yes yeah, so mm. in that sense in that sense you know your friend to be worried is saying yes we are trying to participate in that desire for vision mm. which is part of the magical tradition it's it's it is interesting sort of magical operations in order to achieve the beatific vision become all the rage in the late middle ages among certain clerics who can write books and therefore we know that they they think that you know it's like some of some of the the, the quote magical operations that we know in fact in my first slide we finally got to the point where i can show them oh not that slide it's that's the tarot magician i'll show you this slide um which is from this book called the sworn book of honorius honorius of thebes and this is a British Library copy of it, and we are shown ranks of various angels, and um, we get more names of angels. And this is interesting that in the scriptures proper we only have the three, if you include Tobit, and so you get mm -hmm. Raphael, right? But you get um, Gabriel yes. and Michael and Raphael. And in the angel magic, particularly of the later Middle Ages, the 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 name of God has a particular power, like the Tetragrammaton, the Yahweh of the lettering, but mm -hmm. naming all those angels becomes a, a, a feature of it. If you can name the angel, then you can summon it. I mean, they're, they're messengers. As I get, and so I guess in this sense, like, this is a problem if you're bringing little pieces of the divine out of heaven down to you. Um, but one of the things that they hope for in this kind of angel naming and magical practices, and particularly this Honorius mm -hmm. of Thieves book, is the vision of heaven. It's like, <laughs> what you want is to like um, control, you know, to, you know, they do fast and pray and prepare themselves magically and stuff like that. But it's an interesting kind of asceticism mm -hmm. of the magic to long for that image of the divine reality. So they're, they're forcing revelation then. Yeah. This becomes a kind of divine bribery by the sounds of it that can be the problem yes <laughs> <laughs> um all right so forcing revelation bribing spiritual beings into doing your will that sounds a bit like genie in the lamp yeah in a magic lamp, which doesn't sound very Christian. 
Well, I suspect to some people what we've been talking about with Jesus is the great angel doesn't make very Christian either. So the mm. so I think rather than saying whether it sounds Christian or not, whether it, um, I mean, Tolkien is good at this saying it's whether it's in harmony with God's will or against it, and 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 then mm. you and then you have a theological category for understanding the problem with these sorts of operations, which will, to a certain extent, by way of the pictures that I already planned. Um, get us to that technological question of the degree to which technology is or isn't diabolic in its in its uh, okay. e efficacy, which is, is the big is the you know is the meta question of our digital media and you know the horror mm -hmm. of things like AI. If it, we do need to be worried about it or not, I mean I'd say it's demonic, but in this this you know, to what degree is it trying to celebrate our, cre our, 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 our creatureliness and to what degree is it trying to control or overcome? Well, you can't baptize AI. You can't offer the sacraments to artificial intelligence. Right. The, the chat is suggesting us various things. Mike 1000, one crystal many facets. I mean, that, I, I, the thing is, the, in, in, in Aurora Borealis, we did a lot with the gemstone imagery and, and that, that there's gemstone, there's, there's alchemical. I was just re, re I was reading some more of those Angelus Silesius poems and they're very beautiful about the way the soul is this gemstone shining with the light that, but being transformed mm -hmm. by God. So I think, you know, there's, a lot of the problem that the tradition has is a description that can sound ascetic and contemplative and mystical very easily flips into a magical problem. And, and it, it, it's usually, it, it's not necessarily the thing itself or the object itself. It's the, the focus and the point of doing the operation. Um, Okay, we also had Carl Bear Pureblood saying, "Have you heard of the Magic Battle of Britain by Dion Fortune?" I haven't. I haven't read Dion Fortune, so we'll have to return to that. That's that's an element of the the modern magical tradition that I can talk to, but maybe we should we should. You all can tell us what other things you'd like us to talk about after we get this angel thing <laughs> on on the table. Um, so I think we've we've raised one very big question: is is it possible for the angels actually to fall if they're in fact aspects of of the divine? How do they fall out of heaven? How is that even possible? And then the 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 simple answer to you know the the fear of the magical tradition is in fact you're you're encountering these fallen angels. You've, you're you're dealing with um, angelic beings who are no longer aligned with God's will, and. And mm -hmm. therefore, they're dangerous, and will, you know, certainly the Satan one, the adversary, will attempt to bring us away from God as well. Well, I have to ask you: Who taught human beings magic? The fallen angels. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're in. They're in the Book of Enoch, um, and I think did we get? I, we were looking at that in our in our poetry work the other day. Yeah, uh, that they 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 yes. they teach. They you you've done a little trolling yourself on this capacity. They teach 
they they, they very specifically <laughs> teach two particular kinds of tech mm -hmm. metalworking which is good for making weaponry and cosmetics yeah. which is good for making weaponry <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to, it's like metallurgy and i mean in, in the book of enoch it's very specifically like eye makeup you know it's a, <laughs> and 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 in that they're also it's it's the expansion or base source for the passage in genesis where the the sons of god lie with the daughters of men and have the giants and so they mm -hmm. bring with the, in this version of the story it's like a prometheus story in in a sense that they bring you know tech and power that they then give to humanity and humanity does what we do with with tech and power but but it it's interesting because it is a saying oh, in fact all this tech comes from revelation as it were it it's it's maybe tesla was not lying when he said he was being shown things <laughs> mm. Mm. I learned that from Hans. Well, he wouldn't be the only. Thanks, Etherzar. No, it's like the, the Tesla somehow he doesn't know where he got all these inventions. Maybe I learned that from my brother. They came to him as objects that he knew how to build. Pigeons whispering in mm. his ear. So I, I'll, I'll explain my trolling. So I, I asked everybody. Uh, in my chat, what they thought of women wearing makeup to church? What, what they triggered thought of women every woman in the church. chat. <laughs> I, I haven't had comments blow up that quickly in a long time. Mm. It's just so, so something very, very simple, and it really did. It, it, it pushed everyone into a very emotional reaction. Um, I mean, I confess, me included, right? It's like I, 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 I tried to stay above it all, but no, I, I recognize that it was a compelling problem for all, almost all of us. It was hard not for us not to take yes. sides on it. Well, what do you do? I mean, you say, no, you shouldn't do it, but then you have to think about all the other kind of adornments that women and men are using anyway. Right. So it, it, do you then have a dress code that you have to... Uh, adhere to when you go into liturgy and when you go and receive Holy Communion, then you kind of getting into Pharisaical territory where it's like a prescriptive thing instead of a sacrifice of mercy and praise and bringing bringing yourself yourself as you are into into the liturgy. But then the problem is what what exactly is makeup and why are people in the first place? And so then we sort of had the argument of. Is it just that women are trying to seduce men and get their attention? Right. Or are we doing something else when we're wearing makeup, which is uh, transform our appearance for a different reason as either a camouflage or a mask for something? And then do we want to wear a mask in front of Christ or are we supposed to be unveiled? So yeah, it was a, it was a, yeah, it was a tricky question. I'm it glad it worked. <laughs> it definitely worked, and it showed mm -hmm. and it showed the problem. I mean, there's there there's no neutral tech. And, yes. And and the cosmetics are a very very powerful and basic one. Yeah, because a little bit works. Right. Uh, very very powerfully. I mean, obviously, I'm wearing makeup. I have been on every single stream that we've been doing. 
and it well really so is. am i but i'm suspecting yeah. people don't realize i am but i can see it when i don't wear it for these for the camera and and mm. and and for the most part I mean, you've seen the meme where women with no makeup women with day makeup women with a little bit heavy and women with too much makeup and mm -hmm. that you know there'll be this this it's like you know have you done your hair have you did this or that with you know, quote, no makeup is off. It usually look, it is actually some. So we, we've got this, this kind of baseline. What, what do you look like when you, when you're in public perception that people have? Well, it's how much magic is too much magic. Yes. That's the, that was the, that was, that was the troll. I mean, it was like, okay, so I'm obviously wearing, not even just like going out at nighttime kind of makeup. I'm in goth, which is just, you know, there can never be too much. <laughs> but that's its own category. But that's the thing. It's like how much magic is not enough or too much. Mm. So we, and then whether or not people actually recognize cosmetics as a angelic practice. Right. So I wanted to... I wanted to ask you to to describe this because it's the Enochian uh, it's the Enochian telling of of the interaction between the angelic beings and and humanity and giving us magic. But uh, what is it about cosmetics that created such a freak out? You know, what what yeah. why is wearing them around Christ so controversial? Well, I, well, I think I think I mean, the, their illusion, right? It's mm. it's it's a creating illusion, and then the things that people reacted to in the chat were, were um, appropriate, saying you are, I mean, it's a form of lying in in a sense um, that you are representing yourself. But I mean, if you've got clothes on, it's a form of lying too. So there's a there's an artificiality to all of our presentation that's that's not naked <laughs> and i and i really don't think people think we should go naked to church i mean there are obviously some people who think we should stay <laughs> naked um it's it's interesting the opposite thing i mean when i was answering in your chat that i was saying you know i i i think this through because you know i would put makeup on in order to be in public it's a performance for me if i'm going to mass i'm 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 usually sort of in two minds about dressing up because i say well i don't want to be drawing attention to myself at mass, but on the other hand, you're there to honor the Lord, who is our great mm -hmm. angel and mediator, and 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 all of those things. I mean, he's our, we should we should worship him. So, should you not present yourself in in your you know your most beautiful? But then on the other hand, so at where I go to mass now at Cantius, um, many of the women are not, not all wear mass veils, which are very beautiful and ornament mm -hmm. and stuff but the reason that you're wearing them is as paul says because of the angels <laughs> in our angel topic here and you know why 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 mm -hmm. do the you know the daughters of men need to wear veils to go to mass because of the angels and apparently it's because you know that the angels could be entranced by the beauty of your hair so you cover it which of course is like counter to the the, the modesty of these lace veils that are in fact quite elaborate and beautiful i so you could even say it's like we're veiling out of out of pride by the end of that argument. Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, it's 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 a little it's it's sort of easier to say, oh, well, of course, weaponry that's diabolic because it, it kills people. But th to put weaponry alongside cosmetics and saying these are both um, angelic, powerful powers that are given to us and that cause havoc for humanity, it's interesting. Well, they can both be destructive. Well, I'm, be, I'm not being coy. I'm just saying, do we really want to go there where women women are alluring men into have, making alliances with them that they shouldn't? And how, how I mean, there's a lot of warnings of, you know, harlotry in in the scriptures and saying that the thing you think about Proverbs, young man, don't go into the harlot. She'll just, you know, take all your money. <laughs> it's 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 clearly a, a concern. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of, of uh, you know, so, yes, OnlyFans is not new. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new tech for doing the thing that women have been doing, which is, you know, entrapping men um, who they are not going to be faithful to. Mm. Just some thinking of uh, Herod's wife and her daughter right. and that kind of... Uh, that was a magical influencing of Herod's will. You know, she's dancing. Mm. She's adorned. Very. Yeah, there's a lot of warnings about it. Um, so, okay, so we've got cosmetics as angel tech. We've got weaponry as angel tech. But human beings are not going to give these up anytime soon. You know, like, I'm, I'm just thinking in, in terms of The, my friend who's telling me she's worried her kids are going to get involved in witchcraft, but essentially no one's looking at, at, at women who are wearing makeup and thinking, there's a witch, you know, it, this isn't a kind of go-to response, but essentially women are all practicing witchcraft when we're wearing cosmetics. Yes. Yes. I am now showing our stand-in for Disney. Which is that dragon oh. castle? It's like I, I'm, I'm like a magician doing card tricks. I'm just forcing us to the place where I want us to go, where the pictures are going. I actually don't remember what order I put them in. So hey, that that works good. Um, well, I, I mean, there have been people saying yes that women should not wear makeup, and that isn't a new argument. Um, unfortunately, people can mm. get puritanical and and bullying in the same way that. You know, they're not, you know, people can, women can be bitchy and, and, and cruel if you're not dressed well. Right? Like, women being bitchy and cruel seems to be the, 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 uh, the baseline here, <laughs> not the, the thing itself, which, which is to the meta level of what we're trying to say is, is, is technology, technology of itself always evil? Is it always magical uh, in some sort? The angels, you know, are they, if they're aspects of the divine, can they be truly leading us astray with their allurements, with the cosmetics and the and the weaponry? Um, the, the The default to all of this is in the long in the long Christian tradition. The problem is discernment. I mean, the discernment of the spirits to mm. say whether or not they're they're coming from God or 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 not. Um, but I think also, and, and th this is also what I tried to. We, I think we tried to say in your in your chat. Um, Jesus is trying to teach people to not get trapped by either of these claims. 
It's like you, you get trapped by the puritanical, but you can also get trapped by the, I say the libertine, um, like, you know, don't, don't commit adultery, but on the other hand, recognize your own sinfulness and that the, the diabolical trap that we constantly get caught in as sinners is trying to control other people's behavior <laughs> rather mm. than, uh, recognizing our own turning away from God. I think that's the. I think I, I think yeah, that's I his. That, I think that's our Lord's teaching, and 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 to this point of, you know, the you're going you're going to be tugged in both directions to say I'm 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 proud of my my asceticism or I'm, you know, I'm proud of my wealth, and and both of those are traps. I'm not sure Disney. I'm not sure mm. Disney in its storytelling takes these on. We maybe consider that. I'm not sure. Well, Disney's all about magic. I mean, all the stories are magic, magically based. At some stage, something happens and there's a fairy godmother mm. or there's a sea witch or there's the enchantress who turns the handsome but proud prince into a beast or, you know, there, there's some kind of transformative process. I don't think there is a single Disney story that doesn't have some kind of magic in it. So... Okay, well, one other way to go is say, we we are yearning for the divine, and the and the heavenly, mm. and I mean this is to a certain extent what Disney promises with its Magic Kingdom. You know, you will believe it's a kind of weird like I, I think maybe they've dropped that I don't remember that. So he's like, believe what? Believe what? Right? It's like that 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 requires a content, um, and the the Princess Castle that they use as the, their logo, um, which this castle mm -hmm. looks a little bit like this dragon shows, uh, is it dragon? It's, it's a dragon castle. Now I've, I've, I'm saying the, the name wrong. Drachen Schloss, um, that th they are drawing people in with this desire for access to something else. Right. And that that this mystical tradition, the temple tradition, the the holy of holies contains the presence of God. I mean, the, these castles have a, a similar kind of promise that you enter into them, you're going to be transported into a different realm. Yes, and accessing hierarchy. Mm. I find that fascinating too, because. Even just having a castle as the emblem of the, the, the magic kingdom, it implies that, you know, what is a castle? Well, it's a place where a king and queen live. It sort right. of like instantly implies hierarchy, which doesn't exist in the, the New World West where these things are created and celebrated. Well, so I, I think that the sort of compassionate version of why people are so drawn to Disney is they want that. They, they want some, I mean, you could, we could, I, think of it this way it's like disney has the appeal that it does youtube you better not ban us i'm being nice about the devil mouse um <laughs> that you know the 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 magic kingdom people want to be drawn into a kind of liturgical mystical experience and we're saying well it's 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 diabolic because it's a fake and 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 draws draws like the cosmetics or something draws people away from god 
but it works because it taps into the desire that people have for God. Mm. So is there, so then is there, is there such thing as permissible magic? Well, the sacraments, but <laughs> those are a few slides ahead. Let's keep going. No. Okay. <laughs> well, All right. I did, I did anticipate that, but I think there are a few more. There's, let me see what I have now. Oh, I have the witches. So much I have the witches I have no of, of Discworld. God, I'm just waiting. I have the witches of Discworld because I thought maybe we'd go here, right? Okay, so is there permissible magic? Okay. And um, so I have in the past been heard to say I'm a witch and then people freak out and worry about it. Recognizing that I'm saying that with, within this story problem that Pratchett sets up in the Discworld and particularly that the witches... Granny Weatherwax, Nanny Og, and Magret, because her mother misspelled Margaret on her birth certificate, uh, are themselves creatures of story. So we're worried about fairy tales and where they take us and what kinds of things happen in, in them. That the cover, the picture that I'm showing is the cover from Witches Abroad, where they go to um, effectively New Orleans, but it's Genoa, but it's, oh, well, there's voodoo in this, right? So we got the voodoo character who's, in fact, the good guy, sort of, hard to say. Um, I mean, Pratchett's good at trying, he's sort of like the, the witch, is, witch is the evil and which is the good. Now, in this story, Granny Weatherwax um, is up against her own sister, Lily, who is trying to make the princess marry the frog because that's the way the story goes, right? So she's taken a frog and turned him into a prince mm -hmm. and he's kind of creepy because he's like, sleeps in a, sleeps in a, in a, uh, hot tub with flies all around it and stuff because he's, he's a frog actually and you know that the, the lily who also uses mirror magic to create all these stories is the good one which no wait she's the bad one nanny weatherwax is always considered to be the bad witch in the story but that's a kind of joke mm -hmm. because she's just the scary witch who is actually always there when you need her for things like um in I don't remember whether it was in this one or one of the other ones where she duels with, she, she plays, you know, card games with death to have the cow die and not the baby, you know, the, the, the sort of bargain with death kind of thing that granny, granny mm -hmm. is the witch that everybody fears because she's so terrifying and I don't mind being terrifying, but who is always there in the, the crisis when you need her um, mm -hmm. with that birth and death and, and, you know, challenges that she's taking on nanny is is sort of the opposite it's like you know she's got a gazillion children and remembers none of her step uh, uh daughters-in-law's names and um you know has lots of babies that she loves and stuff like that and is sleep will sleep with anything including casananda the dwarf <laughs> that's another that's another story um and then magret magret so i thought for this episode you know should i have on my occult jewelry ad wait no i i usually wear it anyway <laughs> um, you know, and she can't keep her, Margaret does her hair nicely, but it frizzes out. I don't know who, what, why that makes me think of who. Um, and, and so she's hmm. trying to be a cult in the proper kind of age of Aquarius way, but it never really works. The three of them together somehow are there to solve the problems that in Pratchett world, the stories themselves create. So it's like, and it, it's a very anti-Disney version of everything because they're they're there to make sure the stories don't come true <laughs> because the fairy stories okay. and things like, um, you know, the wolf doesn't really want to eat grandmother in the in the, the Little Red Riding Hood. He's He's been bewitched into being driven mad 
by Lily because he thinks he's meant to be like eating grandmothers or something. He's not. He's a wolf. And so it's a compassionate thing for the woodchopper to kill him. And and Pratchett, he's constantly testing. It's like, at what point is the story itself the thing that we're trying to get ourselves out of? Now, Pratchett, being a great storyteller, does this without falling into the SJW trap, which is magnificent, while at the same time, in fact, exploring the problem of diversity and, and complexity and gender relations and, and such in his in his um, fantasy. So when I say I'm a witch, I want to, you know, it's like I want recognizing some point you have to be the one who's responsible for the things that nobody else wants to deal with. And what does mm. that mean, right? Is that magic? I mean, it, Granny never does any magic. Well, she does. She plays cards with death. She's there when you need her for the difficult decisions. And takes responsibility for stuff. And then everybody hates her and is afraid of her. And it's it's an interesting problem. Well, it's kind of like uh, authority in general. Mm. People want to hate authority, but they need it. Because without it, we don't have structure. Right. We end up in anarchy when there's no authority. So that's that's like the SJW problem now. It's just the, the the rejection of authority is a rejection of hierarchy, and then without that, you don't have any stability or structure whatsoever. So, well, the the, the it's it's interesting. The current so the, the the current disruption of culture has I I say very magical elements in it the andro the androgyny mm -hmm. of the disruption the androgynous is standard alchemical magic uh, there is there's a it <laughs> is there's a famous a famous it's famous in my head um, a novel from 20 30 years ago playing off this alchemical wedding imagery and jung uses it a lot you know it's the 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 anima mm -hmm. animus um that that we end up in this sex magic world so nanny og in the in the in the in the the discworld novels is hilarious because she is like she's got one tooth she's like round as a you know apple and cheerful like an apple she's hideous in in, in witchy terms mm -hmm. right but she's also you know <laughs> had her sexual adventures which is why she has so many children um and she writes a cookbook in one of them that the recipes work <laughs> especially banana surprise right um <laughs> So I, I think the, the cosmetics obviously are playing off the power, actual power, of fertility, and and longing mm. for children and desire and, and sex magic is always this kind of where where do we? It's like that we can have sex and make babies. That's like this incredibly powerful magic. The angels come and have children with the daughters of men, and they have a giants, right? Uh, mm. I, it's it doesn't surprise me that the. The current sort of political debate is is around sex in the way that it is because what else what other magic is there it's sex magic that answers your cosmetics question i suppose how would the how would weaponry or metallurgy go into sex magic then oh golly let me keep talking um well metallurgy itself is a magical a magical process 
Um, the, mm -hmm. I, I did, I spent in my McLuhan study, spent a lot of time thinking about glass in the last several months yes. and, and realizing that in McLuhan terms, glass is shaped breath because around the time of Christ, uh, the Syria, the Syria, Syria Palestinians, oh my goodness, right next to Christ, learn how to blow glass, which I love. It's like the breath shaped by breath. Mm -hmm. Glass is shaped by breath. And um, it's made from sand and fire. So I, when I gave this talk, I started realizing it's, it's actually glass is an image of the, the all elements. Uh, it's, it's solid. It's, it's liquid. It's, it's gas. It's fire. And um, mm. it is an image of the soul in this wonderful um, media way, this, this, this material media. And that kind of, you know, metalworking and glass blowing and, you know, technology, it, it has magical characteristics. It's transformative. Alchemy is meant to be, I think that my next picture is alchemy. Oh yes. It's an alchemical dragon. <laughs> um, is is you know this power of transformation and and clearly you know to take sand to make glass out of it feels magical mm. uh to take rocks and make them into swords has a fair amount of i mean it's like a lot of alchemy is simp is you know fire applied to substances and you hope to transform one thing into another and indeed it works and you know sand turns into glass that's that's a pretty magical operation. I suppose or silicon or chips. silicon chips. <laughs> huh. Here we are talking through the electric silica of of the digital. That's pretty darn magical. And, Precious metals go into this and a glass screen. So I'm basically staring at you through sand of some form. Isn't that strange? That is in my in my witchy Enochian cosmetics. Hmm. <laughs> but it's it's like the it's it's ubiquitous the magic is there without even realizing it is my point oh, yes. i mean the there's no technology that we're touching that hasn't had some form of metallurgy applied so i could wipe the makeup off and then the cosmetic is gone but then i don't have a single thing on my property that hasn't had something to do with the processing of elements in that way. Right. Everything, the light bulbs, the wiring in the, in the, in the, in the house, the microphone, the laptop. I mean, to get rid of the magic from, from just this one room, I would have to throw out, I don't know how much is inside. So. Well, kind of Hell. all of it. I mean, this is the, yeah. the thing that magic, the magic and technology, this is the, the same sort of twinning of, you know, what's the difference between science and magic? Uh, nothing. <laughs> uh, you know, that the, the, the um, I, I, you know, with like AI or something like that, it seems the intentionality of the users tends to be the the problem as opposed to the, the, the magic itself. I mean, it's interesting. So a lot of, like late medieval magic will be this angel summoning and you'll like bind an angel into a ring and get it to do stuff for you. I, you know, I, I, do you have an Apple watch yet? <laughs> I mean, we are, we're really, we're making these, these tech things that then do the things that the angel magic used to want to, to attempt and communication mm -hmm. and 
I mean, I don't know. We, we, we started in this discussion with advertising and propaganda. I mean, persuasion has always mm. been considered a, a, a fairly divine level of ability that we have with speech. The, the word is, is our prime magic. Mm-hmm. I'm just, it just made me think of the RFID chips. They're encouraging people now here to get their, their front door keys installed in their hand. Well, they maybe there's a sort of me. It's they want to wave their hand and have their door unlock. Mm. Yeah. Bibbidi bobbidi boo. Yeah. <laughs> so it's unavoidable then, even for Christians. Like there, we can't we can't run from it. There's nowhere where we're going to go where there is no magic, unless we go and live in a cave. Pretty much. Okay. Run away to so the chat the chat is talking about my um Casey suggests that Disney princess stories always end with a sacrament, a wedding. The magic leads to matrimony, which matters because we are talking about fertility magic ultimately. I mean, the mm. the, 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 the you get nothing if, if you really want to understand humanity, that's what's interesting. The angels don't have children. Except for maybe with the Enochian angels. Whoops, okay, think about that. But angels are angels they don't seem to have children um human beings do we have children we have babies right that's our that that in genesis is of course the thing that adam and eve are supposed to do from the beginning so the great sacrament is our fertility absolutely mm. uh, mike 1000 says metallurgy killing other men with superior swords then you have all the women oh okay <laughs> So it's the men, the men, the men against each other end up with all the women with their cosmetics trying to, you know, capture particular men. Calbear pure blood. iPhone is mostly sand. Yeah, it's it's like this magical. It's like it's it's the the sand speaking in the sand. How um, it's like we're made of dust. We are dust. It's dust. The 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 sort of once you start thinking at this this elemental level. The processes and transformations, I mean, we should be more attentive to them. I think that the horrible thing always is getting lazy and not mindful of the craft that we're involved in. Um, and, and I suppose like wanting to wave your hand and having your lights go on. Um, Calbear pure blood. And that's that's about what we find from ancient tech. Yeah, the sand. Mel saying they read our minds with the sorcerer's stone. Well, so the the I mean we're all we modern science is alchemy. It's all part. It's all partaking in the the chemical transformations that the ancient tradition was was playing off of. But with the desire to have these greater this greater ease of control, which we we obviously have continued to try to achieve with our tech. Hmm. Well, it's it's a kind of instant. Just thinking when uh, before when you mentioned that images are this instantaneous influence mm -hmm. versus text, which takes takes you through time slowly, and it's kind of uh, unfolding through time of understanding. The the image is instant. That is basically what most of the tech is trying to do now: is kind of bring everything into instantaneous mode. So we've yeah, we're playing with time. It seems like this is the the fundamental uh, aim. 
behind most of the alch alchemy now is the the mastery of time itself because everything's getting faster and faster and faster yes i mean it's interesting that i keep having this image of what sand and glass it's an hourglass <laughs> this this flowingness yeah. of time um sand and sand sand and sand <laughs> well that that's maybe thoughtful because there's the out you know the angels in heaven are in eternity which is not time it's, mm. it's 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 outside of time there is no eternity is not i mean it's timeless right but it's it's not it, it it's not duration it's simply out of and hmm. so the angels, the angels to interact with us have to enter into that time as well as into, into our, into our, the space. And one of the things, one of the students brought up in class today is saying like the angels that appear in the old Testament, sometimes like Gideon offers the angel food because they look, they look physical, like they'd eat mm. the angels that, that visit Abraham. And what they are, right, is that in the Orthodox tradition, those three men are angels, but are also understood as Trinity, and they eat, right? So that yes. that entry into our material, physical time time experience, which is the incarnation of Christ, right? So this then is the the, the entry of the infinite into the into time, right? I mean, so the, a, a sort of neutral version or a pos more positive version. We 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 you know we're we're constantly longing for the magic because we're constantly longing for heaven. Mm. And uh, if you can think of magic as escape from time, materiality, you know, space, exist physical existence, fertility. I mean, then it feels sad. Like you get you get this idea that the 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 elites that are trying desperately never to die just feel sad because they're so oh, yeah. they're so frightened of leaving this but what it's like they want the eternity without the well obviously without the death part but the eternity without the transformation of whatever is going to happen with our souls when we die mm. the alchemical ends up being soul magic very much and this this poetry that i was looking at the angel angelus silesius um he takes that all of this metallurgy and glass working and things like that and transforms it into the kinds of poems like we had in aurora borealis where the the in the darkest earth the great light glows straight up angelus silesius but you wrote that um <laughs> that it, it these delightful sort of epigrams of not an alchemist <laughs> <laughs> maybe you know that this or, or are that. you it's like and this is like what's like the degree to which i'm witch or not witch right it's like what are we saying when we are in fact wanting to participate in that kind of transformation well here i now have robert flood's picture of the mind uh, which <laughs> is getting us close to the time period when angela silesius is writing which is early 17th century mm -hmm. and um recognize that with flood he has these three um the sort of realms that the mind works in 
the 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 sensible world, the imaginable world, and the intellectual world. And those are the three categories that the great magical treatise by Cornelius Agrippa, the the, the triple philosophy, um, describe. And that magic is is meant to be is sort of true magic works on all three, right? It works on the material, the sensible world. It works on sensible meaning the five senses. right, the five senses. Um, yeah. It works on the imaginable world, which is is more like I I think it's like story world. It's the I'm trying to read the picture, um, but the the intellectual world is where you understand God, right? It's contemplation, and in the you know this the the high magical tradition of of the middle Age, of antiquity in the Middle Ages, it ends up it, again. It ends up in that beatific vision. I mean, it's it's interesting to me that when we're worrying about you know putting magic in stories, the children's stories, are they aiming at the beatific vision at contemplation. I mean, maybe Christians need to drag ourselves back into, I mean, I'm not sure with this, right? This, this is the problem. It's like the degree to which desiring to achieve the beatific vision by operations, as opposed to by prayer and fasting and, you know, surrender to God's will. That, that being, it's like, can I force God to show him to show himself to me? There, God, do do your act. <laughs> Let me see you. <laughs> That's like having cheat codes for a video game. Yeah, it's like wanting to cheat in the video game. Yeah. Get to the get to the the top levels without having to gone gone through the tests. Yes. Yep, that makes sense. But uh, all right, I'm thinking of a couple of things. All right, so we've got we've got the the this three three layers of uh magical operation people wanting cheat codes that's gonna that's gonna get me to people practicing divination because i wanted to, mm. to get you to start talking about tarot so were the medieval christians as you know on top of shackling spirits to the medieval version of a, an Apple Watch, <laughs> were they trying to practice divination and tell the future as well? Always. Th that, I mean, that always seems okay. to be a, a, a temptation. I mean, we know particularly in the later Middle Ages, like astrologers uh, work in, often in the courts. The kings and the kings always... Court, lords always want to know what's coming <laughs> so now we call them economists <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> can you can you predict the flow of the money can you then they call them alchemists now we call them economists because you want to you hire these people even though they're no not necessarily any good at telling you what's going to happen because you're hoping they're going to make you money right I, there's a there's yeah. a lovely book by the famous transgender economist Deirdre McCloskey um so it's like, why ain't you rich? Or it's like, if you're so smart, why ain't you rich? <laughs> Talking about the problem of economics as a science and saying it's ne it's horrible at predicting anything. And yet somehow they get, you know, paid well in universities because they seem to be trying to predict stuff. So yes, that predictive desire is is uh, is consistent and constant. Um, the, the, you know, the specific divination practices, um, 
again, it's, it, there's a sort of, there's a, okay, so now let me just step back. Historiographically, in terms of what kinds of sources we have, there is a problem in mm-hmm. that historians depend on written things to know what people are thinking. That's what writing enables us to do, which is like see inside other minds. It's kind of magical mm-hmm. <laughs> that if, if somebody writes yeah. something, you can read it, then you can see in their thoughts if they think in words or if they draw, maybe you can see you know, what they drew in thoughts. Um, and therefore our, our knowledge of magic is best represented by stuff that these guys wrote down. They are not necessarily representative of the full range of practices that people are involved in. And so in, in Pratchett's, in, pra- in Terry Pratchett's Discworld, he, he splits this up. He's got the witches who are doing the sort of local practical stuff, which is taking care of families and, and communities animals and and people and such and and life and death right and then he has the wizards in the city who are doing all of the the high magic which blends into theoretical physics and (laughs) summoning demons and and such like that and that that's that's typical of the way in which we we tend to understand um the the problem that there are you know sort of folk practices and and these these high practices um, the problem always for the historiography is the only way we know about the folk practices is if somebody wrote it down. <laughs> mm. So you're already back into the flip round of how much is, I mean, this this becomes particularly a problem with, for example, the witch trials that are in the 16th and 17th centuries, not so much in the medieval ones. Trials of of, of local people for what we consider magical practices, which bleed into heretical practices because they are said to be having, you know, sex with Satan. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it, it's a big debate, which I still need to read, reread up on a lot. I, I mean, I remember reading it a while ago and saying, well, some of this stuff happened, but probably not. Probably they're frightened people who are, um, you know, being tortured. But on the other hand, we do know that there are like, you know, local medical traditions that do seem to have, are they magical practices when you're using herbs to, to do medicine? Well, if the established doctors don't want you doing that, then, oh, guess what? You're a vaccine denier. <laughs> so um, yeah. it, it's co- it's often quite complicated because you're all, you're, you're constantly in the layers of who's recording it for us to know about. Um, we do, mm. we do, we can see things like in prayer books, their prayers for pregnancy, their, their charms that people use that, um, are like, uh, interesting. Some of them are for pregnancy magic or things like wrapped links of, of candle wick, um, that are then donated to shrines. There's, there's so like miracles. Are you praying for a miracle or are you, pray, are you doing magic? It, it's it's mm. it, there, there, it's 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 an interesting like we were starting with the category of what are angels the category of what counts as angel magic is actually clearer to see in the learned traditions and harder to say what you're what you're seeing in the the um other kinds of practices like a folk versus high tech sort of yeah okay um I mean, but I mean, our present is is ivermectin versus the jabs, right? It's like, yes, (laughs) both of which were or the mad or the Madagascan, the Madagascan juice. You remember the the president of Madagascar said that they'd uh, come up with some kind of tonic that cured COVID. This was a couple of years ago. Yeah. No one knows what's in it. 
but they promised that they would give it to the world for free and then nothing eventuated. <laughs> oh dear. And I think it was just a little bit a little bit too African for everyone's liking. Possibly. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm hedging about this because I haven't read about it recently and, and I, okay. I realize I may be misrepresenting some of the stuff that my colleagues have studied better now. And and what I what I actually have read more on is this learned magic because oh it's written right and so you know it's like you're 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 sure. in this books but I will I will say you know for those following the syllabus of angels and demons one of the books we're reading is Deborah Harkness's um, John D conversations with angels and D is a brilliant example of this high level alchemical magic he, like had the biggest library in his Elizabethan England apparently um, and you know, has all of these, these learned traditions, including things like Cornelius Agrippa. Um, Harkness herself has written a series of books, which I think were made into a BBC production on witches. <laughs> and of course, in her version, the witches are carrying on with this folk magic and the, the, the witch, modern day witch gets to be courted by the vampire. And oh yes, okay, now we're in romance novels. Ooh, magic, uh, cosmetics. <laughs> and time travel and things like that. Um, so I need to, I, I need to like footnote that and say we'll we'll come back to that when I've thought more about that directly. But but Pratchett is playing off of this this tradition of saying the witches are doing one kind of thing and the wizards are doing another. And um, you know I think in our own thinking about this, you asked me whether they're you know doing divination. Yes, for the courts with the astrologers and those are the expensive guys. Um, but also, you know, cer probably, certainly, yes, people, you know, pretend to be able to tell the future in other contexts. Did they use tarot cards? Because oh, well, that's a different question. Well, <laughs> well, there's like the angel cards, you know, the the woman that came up with those angel cards. I forget her name. I don't remember. It's not important. I don't remember angel cards. She became a Christian. Mm. Oh, they were they were they were huge for for a while, okay. and it was like kind of pastel pastels you know they do these drawings out of pastels. oh i do know those i think yeah it was pastel on pastel yeah. and they do do images of these angels and then there'd be a whole deck of them and uh it was it was real like white middle class lady thing to do for a while you know they'd sit around and they'd open up these decks of cards and then they'd say oh you've got your angel and we're going to do a right. reading it was, it was huge, huge in australia okay. but the woman who invented the angel cards she became a Christian and then she said, I renounce my angel cards, don't buy them anymore. Mm. But the company that printed them had the copyright, so she couldn't stop publication. So there's still so angel cards out there, okay. Yeah, there are still angel cards out there. So there's that kind of communicating with the angelic realm sort of side of things. And then there's the tarot. Mm. And I had to ask you about the tarot. Because these are from the perspective of, of like a, a normie, straight up witchcraft. This is like, we're gonna do divination now and we're gonna predict the future and I'll go into a psychic and have a kind of reading and they'll tell me, tell me my future. But I wanted to ask you like the origin of these mm. cards, is it exactly the same thing as the angel cards where we're trying to communicate with the dead or uh, communicate with this with the angelic hierarchies and get influence over right. them or 
are people using tarot doing something else well <laughs> how convenient that i actually have another set of slides that has just tarot cards um because i couldn't get them to fit because the tarot cards were one size and the slides i'm showing are another side the slide i'm showing right now if you are familiar with tarot should um ring some bells it has a woman in the middle of what looks like a celestial uh, like the solar system um with the earth at the center still with with layers of creatures from like the great chain of being right out to the planets and stuff and then surrounded by a ring of shiny babies um which are angels okay and this this basically naked woman dancing in the midst of the world it's another image from floods um uh treatise on the microcosm and the macrocosm right and mm -hmm. if you are familiar with the tarot cards this should remind you of one in particular but let's go let's do a little history lesson on the tarot cards i will now bring up the tarot cards okay so i had the magician to start with because i thought we were going to start with the magician in my head um this deck that i'm i'm going to show some examples from is the visconti sforza deck and these are uh cards that are held at the jp morgan library in new york we we can figure morgan was a banker so he must have been an alchemist no way <laughs> um and it's it's the effect <laughs> The Visconti Sforza is a 15th century deck made um, for the Visconti Sforza family in Milan. I, now I forgot. There's a it's a marriage gift kind of thing, very fancy, very beautiful drawings, and um, it it comes out of this you know Italian artistic milieu where you know one you've been painting books so they can paint these cards. Um, two cards like this are probably the kinds of cards that Savonarola, when he gathers up the vanities in his preaching in Florence in the late 15th century, has burned um, because, okay, probably they're, you know, a problem, but they're basically vanities like, oh, cosmetics. Um, th they mm -hmm. are playing gambling games with them, but they're basically cards. They're, they're, it's like, it's, it's okay. the same kind of um sin and temptation as ooh casinos <laughs> or you know like bridge or or poker or something like that they're literally playing cards and it's it's okay. interesting they're fairly big these are i'm showing on screen with my hands but they're 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 hard to hold in your hand so the tarot games that people play it must it's like you're not holding them quite like we do bridge or or poker games but they and and mm -hmm. these these fancy picture cards are the trumps in what are basically trick-taking um, games. And I, I, I actually set up the, a web page for, this is the the J.P. Morgan Library deck, and I can, I'm showing now, like, the Juggler, the Empress. We can scroll down, see um, the Papess and the, and the Pope, so the female Pope. My, my, I mentioned my colleague Barbara Newman who did the God and the Goddesses book. She's written an essay on who she thinks this papist character is, that she's actually a a woman who claimed to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. And there she is in these cards, right? So it's interesting that they could have some like contemporary religio-political references in the pictures, but they're, they're sort of these... Um, but they're kind of memes, potentially. Oh, they're very... Yes, they're very definitely memes. Now I'm showing Temperance yep. and the Chariot, um, temperance is the, the the cards include the four cardinal virtues, so they're referencing the classical 
um, understanding of, you know, strength, temperance, um, justice. It's like, I keep forgetting, I keep forgetting my sets of things, right? So here we have temperance, a chariot, um, uh, the lovers, strength. Uh, um, we have the wheel of fortune and time or the hermit, uh, the hanged man, mm -hmm. death and the skeleton. You're scrolling through all of these. So the sun, the last judgment, um, the fool and and then the the queen of cups and then the reason i wanted to scroll down here is then you get to basically the face cards the court cards and if you keep going keep scrolling oh then you get to basically the pip card so there's the ace of cups with the queen of swords there and then there 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 the three of cups the five of cups modern tarot decks will have pictures on these cup cards these three of cups five of cups and give them you know numerological significance and and so forth um they're basically playing cards okay so you know insofar as there were concerns about these cards in the 15th century with savonarola it's their vanities because they're distracting you from you know prayer and you know your attention on god but they're not actually divinatory as far as far as okay. we know so yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, now we will go back to our other screen where I had, I had, I, I, so you can see, I'll, I'll, I think the only way I can go through these, whoops, why am I slideshow not active? Huh. I, angels in the tech. Angels in the tech. I seem not to have made the slideshow that I thought I did. It's just one. The gin event at the stand. That's the that's the one they have. Well, okay, forget him. He's just the 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 um the. I did have some more slides. Maybe I'll 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 try to edit this. Oh, there they are. Now they're going to come up. Okay, now the tech is working. Okay, so now we have the Last Judgment. Um, this is the Empress. The Papists again. The Pope. The Queen of Swords, because I like her, because so there there are, you can, the way that the modern readers have generated out the different kinds of imagery that they have for the cards, one, mm -hmm. it's numerology. And, you know, okay. we can talk about the, you know, the sort of interpretive tradition of the numbers. Um, but two, it's uh, elementals off of the suits. So we say there's swords, there's cups, there's coins, there's wands, and then they add, they identify those with the four elements. Um, and then they, they, they give properties for the four elements. So swords are meant to be air signs and, um, my birth sign is Aquarius and that's an air sign. So I identify with the queen of swords, you know, whatever, right. Yeah. It's, 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 they are, um, actually ancient systems of, of references and, and correspondences and so forth. And so you can say, oh, these, you know, these, these kinds of readings go back in time. We don't, we don't actually know where the cards come from. I mean, there become claims in, in the 17th, 18th century when a lot of, you know, sort of woo-woo, all of its secret society kind of stuff comes out and say, oh, they all came from Egypt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, no, right? I mean, th this deck that I'm showing you is the oldest extant one we have. And it, they're clearly representing, you know, court characters from the late Middle Ages with swords and cups and wands and coins. And... Um, that does give you, I think, an interesting sort of picture of, I don't know, hierarchy relations in 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 the period, um, mm -hmm. and that you know could have its own 
you know, symbolic significance, but the, 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 the images themselves, clearly they're, they're playing cards. All right. Um, and then now I'm showing the Rider Waite fool. Um, and then modernity comes along and forgets how to read symbolism, mm -hmm. I think, um, is some of it. Or, you know, you can flip it over and say, we come along so hungry for the symbolism of, of the actual, you know, like angelic, heavenly, spiritual world that we, you know, read it into things that, I mean, didn't even have it to start with, as it were. Um, this deck that I'm showing examples from now is the the, the most famous and the most diabolical. Um, <laughs> um, in this, in the sense, this Rider Waite deck is is modeled after Crowleyan magical interpretations, mm. and then then the decks do start having. Uh, he's doing it in the early 20th century. And what's interesting about these early these 20th century decks is they're coming out of the 19th centuries you know, great longing for a revival of magic in ways that they've tried to imagine it. Um, and, and so these, like the fool with his dog and so forth, I mean, you remember back when I was skimming through all the other ones, they don't look exactly the same in the medieval ones. The magician is, um, you know, much more symbolically marked with his infinity symbol and his rod and his pentacles. And I mean, those are all the, the pentacle cup rod sword or the, elements on the in the in the cards and so forth um you have the high priestess which in the visconti sword says she was a papist whatever that is which is a complicated image here she's set more clearly between the pillars of the the temple um and um with the moon at her feet and an isis throne a crown and so forth um the empress is now looking like a young woman with her venus symbol and such so uh you know, it's, 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 um, I think the, the tarot cards themselves are an interesting development of the longing for symbolic meaning and mm. the way that people use them now. I mean, it's divinatory and the, it, they've been divinatory since, I don't know, the 18th century, but you've got a lot of courtiers going around in, in the, the board aristocratic circles of the 18th century, pretending to be able to tell people stuff magically and th that's when this the card reading tradition really kicks off in the tarot the tarot thing uh, prior to that they're card games it, it's 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 okay it's, it's like trying to play it's like trying to tell the future with your solitaire cards um and you know i'd say that the sort of hunger that the modernity has despite the fact that we're all supposed to be rational and scientific for the mystical and the and the resonant and the mm. symbolic that's what I see in the in the desire for these cards to mean something, and and for the the um, you know, I, so I I do have a I mean I have a, a a practical way I think what's going on when people are, are reading the cards. One I've I've gone to Renaissance fairs and had my cards read right, and I get the same reading each time. But I'm it's it's cold call stuff, right? It's they're they they say something very vague off of whatever it is that you are there for. Oh, I, you know, I have a question and, you know, they look at you and like a woman, okay, I'm going to go for a love story. What else do we ask about? <laughs> um, you say, yes, no. They say, oh, well, it's a bit vague. I'll figure this out. You're basically telling them what to say when, when you're doing readings like that. I have yeah. had one reading where I'm not sure that quite was happening. And I was trying to, excuse me. <coughs> now I can't talk. I was trying to figure out whether 
there was something else potentially going on because I'm not sure there isn't when people are in these kinds of practices. But I think neutral, mm. neutrally, mostly what's going on is people desperate to find symbolic meaning in patterns. And the cards, the tarot cards are interesting because they are an ancient, you know, they're ancient in the sense of they're an old, you know, repertoire of, of images. They're going to mean something. You're mm. going to find a story in them. So this goes into the rhetoric mm -hmm. uh, being the language of the NPC, but really what it is is that the human mind tends to work rhetorically before it works dialectically. And so people have picked up the... <laughs> Aren't you glad I asked you about tarot? So you've got all these like... Um, she does this all on her own. Moves. She sets me up so that she... No. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I can't because I'm in the future. Oh, that's true. So I promise. You're in the future. Um, so you've got these decks of memes that then become infused with the superstitious right. quality where people start to refer to the memes as a kind of omens. Mm -hmm. Then that creates what we now see as the tarot. Yes. That makes yeah. sense. And look, so now I've got I've got mm -hmm. the, the, the last of the Trumps in the, in the Rider Waite series which the rider weight one is playing off of some older decks but not the i there there's no world card like this in the visconti as far as i can remember um but if you look at you compare oh the the my magic started over okay okay pretend you can't everybody's watching pretend you can't see what i'm doing i have to wait uh, i don't have to pretend <laughs> you you can't see it all i'm going to have to hide the tarot I'm completely blind Okay, I might not be able to juxtapose things in the way that I wanted. I was hoping to juxtapose the world image that I had in my magic deck with my... No, they, they the magic's not working. Okay, carry on. Carry on tight thinking about memes. The spell failed. The spell failed. We'll go pretend that you're looking at the world card and realize that Flood <laughs> and his image of the dancing in the cosmos is... is again, it's another of these... The, the the 16th 17th century gets very fascinated with the capacity of image to carry mystery right emblem books i mean iconography and so forth and it's um i mean the the card the tarot cards are also coming out of that uh sim symbolically rhetor it's memes right they're memes yeah yeah you should carry on whatever you were you were building on that I'm thinking then in in the sense of how rhetoric is magically charged communication in that sense because it works on a completely different level but the dialectic you have to you're actively working through it mm. with a rational effort but with rhetoric it's bypassing rationality and it hits you in a different way it hits the psyche in a different way. Then you're going into that kind of three-part, uh, what was it, the intellect. Then you've got the sensorial, the sensible. Right. And the other one. What was the other one? I failed. The, the, I failed the sensible, the, the imaginable, and the intellectual. Yes. So that's what the meme is doing. That's It's, it's hitting all three of those aspects of understanding at the same time. Mm. Um, 
which is that is magic so even if the tarot isn't necessarily it hasn't started off as a magical practice it started off as a a, a vanity a, like playing cards the infusion of a rhetorical uh meaning into these objects has essentially made them magical just because of what people are doing with them just like another image becomes a taboo with enough infusion of attention mm -hmm. does that make sense so i'm thinking then how this works when people are describing symbolism in general because that's essentially all a symbol is is human beings that have decided something has a rhetorical value and they've charged it with that um with that superstition enough times mm. where it becomes it becomes real well and i mean if, this is a nice reincorporation of what we were talking about with the advertisements and the billboards and the propaganda mm. and that the the power of coercion that you feel from these images is intense right it's like how do we mm. how do we fight how do we fight disney well, you don't watch their movies, but um, you know, <laughs> uh, that we are drawn in. Uh, your friend is worried about children getting drawn into these stories. Yes. And the I think what we're exploring, you know, sort of over all of these arc arc streams is this power of pattern pattern making and building. But the the, the I mean, I guess the obverse of it is yes, this this pattern these patterns that make us feel coerced. Hmm. Mm. Now I'm showing well, Burning Man. Wow. <laughs> How am I doing on my on my predictions? These are good. Either do I just wait until the, ten the out of ten. Do, do I wait until the conversation gets there, or am I dra am I directing it to, as I will? You know. <laughs> She'd we can all laugh him. at Rachel thinking that she can control her own tech, but uh, you know, I think this She's is. Summoning. I'm pretty sure this is Burning Man. It's it's a big burning figure in the middle of a circle of people, and there's fires and LEDs and and yeah, there, it. It, it, is it's the sand white. Uh, is the sand white? It's at night. It's a nighttime picture. Oh, okay. Um, so you know th that obviously feels like is it magic is it art is it a big festival is it what kind of and it you know that that level of absorption into that the theater can definitely mm. feel quite dangerous and magical i'm not i am not i'm not omitting the possibility that the demons are working in all of this and you mm. know our our discernment problem is you know that we as we as human beings are enticed by the technology enticed by the art drawn into it want to make it are made to be sub creators in the image and likeness clearly are good at storytelling and pattern making and can you know carry on for i think we we're, we're getting we're getting too good at this streaming thing we're going to get to owen levels if we don't worry about this <laughs> and we still have eight people joining us um we have to cut it. No, no. Mel will. Mel is watching. The sand is actually dust. Caleb Bear, pure blood. Yes. 
Calberry Pureblood says that's Burning Man. He says it's dust. The sand is dust. Um, oh, okay. And Casey, as people like got less educated, they got more interested in images in their quest for magic. Tarot. I think. I think some of it is we miss out. We're we're highly educated in imagery. We just don't label it in terms of our image knowledge. And people can. This this is things like people don't recognize the tarot images. And so they seem mysterious and cool and, 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 and edgy because they've not seen those particular drawings before. But, you know, obviously Disney is making a great repertoire of all of its princesses and, um, you know, all of the, the media images that we have were flooded with images. It's almost like we have too many images to feel like mm -hmm. we have satisfying stories because they're like jumbled together. Um, Burning Man, I think it's an interesting kind of... Um, like all of them come together as far as I've seen from costumes and things that people wear. They're all, it's all going to be all there in this one great amalgamation of, of images and stories. Well, there's a lot of sex magic too. And a lot of, of sex like, magic. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the, the fashion trend of the Burning Man like population, but basically women are going there and they, they a friend of mine, uh, he, he went there a bunch of times. But we call it the ascended hoe aesthetic. <laughs> I saw one picture you showed me. She's wearing like rainbow glitter. I loved it. I want to wear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, some of it's great, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like the the least amount of clothing you can put on with just enough kind of covering the body so you're not choking on dust. Mm. And uh, but with this aim of being like you know, ascended or having some kind of spiritual enlightenment at the same time. Right, <laughs> right. I, I mean, I think that you know, it's, it's like the burning like, man there. That's like an angel image. That's the mm. fiery human image. Mm. Man inflamed by the divine. Ew. So we're kind of stuck then. It's the same thing constantly <laughs> over and over and over again. It's magical ritual to try and gain access to the divine what makes it uh illegitimate is who gets to who gets to design the 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 parameters of accessing the divine Maybe that's it. Hmm. Well, you'll appreciate that my next slide is um, don't sacrifice your children to Baal, vote Moloch. And <laughs> don't sacrifice your children to Moloch, vote Baal. <laughs> I, you know, there's this Phoenician problem. Yeah, exactly. It's like which 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 of the which of the the fallen angels are you going to sacrifice your children to this time? I, so, but I mean, I'll go back to Burning Man because I don't like the Moloch and Ball pictures. Um, mm. Keep going. We're 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 drawn into wanting this participation. So there's a couple of things because you know I'm an ex-raver, so I I think like all right, I'll I'll go back into raver days. What were we actually doing in the rave apart from taking really interesting chemicals? But it was a liturgical experience because you have a ritualistic build-up, you get dressed up, so you're in a kind of vestment of ritual. 
we put in a lot of effort too. I mean, people, people, they put a lot of effort into this. And then you're in a space where you're transforming your cognitive functioning, but there's also a kind of, all right, so you're seeking transcendence. Mm -hmm. You're changing your perception. So you're, you're hitting this, uh, the sensible. You're trying to transcend. Then in a kind of altered state, changing your intelligence because of course at the end of it people are always talking about oh how amazing it was and you know you've gone through this transformative process so it's, it is very alchemical kind of uh, thing to do but what makes that improper worship that's kind mm. of where my brain is going because the hebrews always had this problem as well because this is israelitish behavior right I mean, that's why I was like Phoenician problems, but that's essentially it. It's like Israelite behavior is like, <laughs> do we go raving or do we go, uh, do we go into the temple? Cause we've always had this problem. Yes. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking of it. It's like, wherever you go, there's something that looks like magic. But the issue is like, okay, we want to transcend, we want to access the divine, but who gets to decide how we do that? In the Burning Man model, it's humanity making all of those decisions or humanity making those decisions with demonic entities versus the temple, which is a pattern of magical practice that we've received from God. That to me seems to be the distinction. Cause we have, we have a, we have similar, uh, similar, um, similar things going on in both situations. You know, you've got burning man, you've got lights, you've got a giant effigy being set on fire. So there's like an elemental thing, people dancing. Okay. What are we doing in the temple? <laughs> very similar things right burning incense we've got effigy because of course we had the ark of the covenant so we have form which has been crafted by metallurgists so we we again like in order to create the ark of the covenant <laughs> we needed enochian <laughs> we needed enochian magic just just to have the thing in existence so God well, actually, in 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 Exodus, Mazaliel um, is given the uh, the wisdom by God. So apparently, circumvented okay. the Enochian angels. Okay, maybe. But 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 the the lava, right? I mean, they're still they're working metals. Is my point right? Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying not to be too cheeky about this. But it's, <laughs> it just. It seems as though the temple worship is the legitimate rave of the Israelites versus Burning Man. However, that manifested at the time with Baal and Moloch and all of these other. Right. Uh, false gods. 
I've got Casey said rave as liturgy is a theme I heard Father Donald Calloway speak of too. He had the same experience. This is, mm. I mean, yeah, the the discernment between whether you're directing it towards the demons or whether you're directing it towards Yahweh recognizes the angel the angel problem for Christ is is pretty important because it's saying he is. He is like Lucifer, mm. um, and, and you know, and there is. I I think in sometimes sometimes in the online conversations, there's talking about the twinning and the problem like that. It's like Lucifer and Christ, or is Lucifer Christ? He's the light bearer. Uh, this, you know, I I I think we are. I'll go back to the uh, Baal and uh, Moloch, right? Um, that that meme as it were playing off of this problem that we keep ending up feeling like in our political situation where it's like you're voting for one evil evil or the other these these mm -hmm. these choices that aren't actually choices and at some point either there's nothing but demons <laughs> battling with us as their proxies i suppose or there is a true revelation of our creator that's longing mm. for us to respond and that we are being distracted by these demons from. Mm. And in, in my class today, I had some opening things of, you know, is, is it a problem of an optical illusion that you have to be in the right place to see correctly? Is it a problem that I, I got from Alexander McCreese's um, Facebook where he's doing this crossword puzzle that you can fill in two different ways depending on whether you think Star Wars is the greatest sci-fi IP ever or Star Trek is and whether Achilles is rageful or angered or something like that. And uh, you're saying that our premises determine how we fill in the, the diagrams mm. um, or the meme of you know how do you tell someone they're stupid um without saying so and it's yoda in a in a library and saying wisdom has been pursuing you all along but you ran too fast <laughs> and <laughs> and and that we're, we're you know the discernment of um ma magic is your friend is not wrong magic is to be avoided and it's and it's terrifying but it's not necessarily the answer is not necessarily those you know, social realist novels where everything's depressing and lacks transcendence. That clearly our, our longing mm -hmm. is for transcendent reality somehow. Meaning, whether it's meaning and or whether it's access to what this realm, this other realm or reality that we've been shown somehow. It, it's interesting that we're constantly caught in these. It's like the the you know the the political situation now. Are you Putin or NATO? Yeah. <laughs> Mal or you know Bal or Moloch, depending on your yeah. <laughs> your choosing. Uh, and there must be. I mean, it's like okay. So my next picture is 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 better, and we'll go to that when it's the Trinity. Um, in Revelation. Right. There is, in fact, the lamb and the and the spirit embraced by the father and that somehow these are and surrounded by um, 
the priesthood and the angel chariot and Mary and John and, and so forth and angels that you know, is there a reality that we are longing for that is longing for us that we can direct ourselves towards and that the magic magic is anything that's distracting us from that but with the same sort of desire but misdirected mm. well we can't we we can't influence that though because how you've described that is that it's receptive we're we're not really in pursuit of god god is in pursuit of mm. us so we're not we're not imposing human will to reach the divine it's the acceptance of the divine will that allows us to reach him that would be the difference between magic and Christianity. This this is theologically Maybe. always what the the arguments over the mass get to, saying if mm. in the you know institution of the sacrament with the words of institution, what the priest does is a magic trick, the hocus pocus. Yes. Yes. Then it's not the sacrament. It it has to be modeled on Jesus's a recapitulation of Jesus's institution of it, but that it really happens because they're Jesus's words, and mm. you know that that sac that sacramental liturgical truth is the thing that Christians ended up you know breaking down and fighting over in the 16th and 17th centuries, exactly at the time when they're fighting over what magic is and what alchemy is and what um, you know, the printing press has come along and they were fighting over their text and so forth that this drowning in the alphabet drowning in the alphabet mm. I, I, I sort of you can fl I flip it back over and say why is it so hard, right? God, why did you make it so hard for us to see you? And God saying, I didn't <laughs> I'm right here it, but I think, you know, our fall is an interesting problem in all of this. It's like, why is it so hard for us? And then maybe, well, maybe we should do a theology. We'll get to, we'll get to the, the, the deep theology discussions of indeed made with free will. We can turn one way or the other. Why did God make us that way? Why did Job, why, you know, why does Job get tempted by Satan? Why does, why is this angelic reality? Is it true or is it something we're simply making up to describe something we don't understand? Uh, is it our, I mean, a lot of our fantasy world is in dealing with effectively angels, right? Whether it's, it's demons or mm. elves or elves aren't angels. They're more like the dead, the undying, something like that. Uh, but I, the, the other thing that I did in my class when I started it last week, I had them bring in examples of angels from current media that they found and, you know, one was, I was not aware of some of the angel examples they had. And it's like, wow, angel. And, and one of them brought the, uh, the, uh, I think we talked about this last time, the dance at CERN, whatever that was, that, that, the, oh, the, yeah. Godhard, the Godhard tunnel ceremony. thing. It, it is interesting uh, that we, we're, we're constantly drawn one way or the other through Bernie man, through weird liturgies for tunnel openings to <laughs> Disney, to the movies, to some kind of, 
you know, theatrical, mystical performance that taps us into what feels like this significance. Constantly seeking possession of some form or another. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's, it's the desire for possession, to be possessed. Because Christianity is the same. We're volunteering to be possessed. It's just by the Holy Spirit. Yes. So that's, that's kind of it. Like the magic, magic is the desire to possess and to be possessed. Mm. Well, now I'm showing the three wise men being led by angels. <laughs> yeah. And... I mean, Barker has this interesting thing about this. The star of a ruler is actually something that appears in the heavens when he's born so that they understand the kind of relationship. So when the, the wise men are looking for the star of Jesus, it is a, a star that indicates that he's been born, um, not necessarily like a guide as like a um, light that goes before them or something, but like they, they saw his star, they know he's been born and they're going to go find him. Uh, that they, as magicians, <laughs> as the magi, mm -hmm. uh, recognize Christ. It is, you know, it's an interesting new layer of this wisdom tradition from antiquity into the Middle Ages. The magus, the magus, is that one who's meant to be represented as the the trickster, the con artist, as it were, with his juggler juggling in the the tarot cards. But the magi are indeed as the magician, the, the true magicians, the ones who recognized Christ as king. Mm. So our truest magic is is the recognition of Christ. <laughs> what did I do with my yeah. last picture? Oh, there they are. Um, cr Christmas number 1900 and the three magi uh, dressed in very um african uh style garments um kneeling with their nice. gifts to the lord <laughs> so in that sense he's he's the he's the promise of the the promise of that high magical tradition is eventually to find the incarnate angel of Israel. That's kind of mind blowing. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> for a journey in the ark for the evening. <laughs> yes. I can't add anything. That, to that. was beautifully said. <laughs> I will I will now having by way of my magic tricks and de force dealt you the series of pictures that I put together. <laughs> She's leading. Uh, no, She's we did. We like reader and a writing fan. We and I I did, <laughs> and we didn't plan this, but it went there anyway because I force carded it. I don't know, right? And that the the sort of longing to feel like you've been in i truly no guys we didn't plan this she did not know what order of pictures i was using 
at all. And I, I was trying to throw them together an hour before. The reason I use the slideshow is Vox mentioned it in his meme review. And I'm like, oh, that might be an easier way to add all these pictures in because I wanted to like show a bunch. But then you're locked into the order that you've set up. Um, that mm. feeling of precisely, are we in a story that's already determined? <laughs> or are we making choices along the way to what, you know, what, can we change it? Can we control it? That's, you know, my meta metaphor, <laughs> what just happened. <laughs> and yet that is, I mean, that does seem to be, we've got to get to the, to the, the magic that is the revelation of Christ as our angel, mm. our mediator, our messenger. Eternity in time, Emmanuel. Yes. Yep. The ultimate transcendence in a manger. It's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> It's very cool. So basically, I mean, it's like, basically, if you go, if you go through this journey sufficiently, it's like, why would you want to like play with, you know, mere sex, you know, not mere sex, sex magic in the sense of, um, you know, the yeah. core, it, it, the ascended hoes don't get this level of transcendence. Right. And that, that, that well. usually in the, in the strong mystical Christian tradition, you get to the point where you're saying, why would you go for that trash? that 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 mere mechanical um mm. uh coercive when you've got god in love with you and longing for you <sighs> hebrew's gonna hebrew <laughs> and, and you know and yeah i want to dance for the calf instead god i yeah. we okay to figure out why we don't just you know run to god obviously we need to, to to think about that but i think this is where the, the longing for the magic is in the longing for this this vision and it's mm. sad that instead we do it with um trickery and um pretend castles yep 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 okay we got, okay, so we got um, Mel with the appropriate, uh, whoops. Uh, we see God in the created mosaic that is, amen. Kelbear pure blood, the catastrophe. Yes, yes, we get that turn into the recognition, which is beautiful. Mike 1000, unexpected and mysterious is a good hymn. We will, we will need to play it. So I think that's, we, we can't, we can't beat ourselves after that. So anyway, we did, we did an hour, we did two and a half hours. We're going to reach Owen levels eventually. <laughs> I, I've got to figure out how to, right. you know, support my physical self in this chair so that I can stop wiggling around. There's a fly. <laughs> and there's the fly. Is back. So, so we're now just sit, we were just send back into the, to the, to the physical and the, uh, well, we're always in the transcendent already because our Lord is incarnate yes. with us. Okie dokie. Well, we're just going to have to stop to be continued, all that sort of thing. Bye. <laughs> I'm going to go and kill a fly now. Don't leave yet. Yeah. I got to play the outro. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>